I think that the the vast majority of the Enneagram world believes that the levels of development is actually a developmental model <laughs> that it really isn't. My view is that the Enneagram world basically has a waking up framework, but has been thinking of it as a growing up framework, and that's not true. Mm. And that the Enneagram needs a growing up framework um, to uh, flesh itself out. Subjectivity exists on a developmental spectrum. Mm. That one's capacity for interiority is a developmental achievement and can grow. And so one's ability to see oneself um, can grow. The big hormone Enneagram. John Lukovich, uh, sexual self pres 45 wing, 458 trifecta. Hi, I'm David Gray, self pres sexual 9 with 1974 trifix. What up, it's Emika, I'm an 8 wing 7, sexual self pres with 854 fixes. Hi, I'm Nancy, I am a self pres social 3 wing 4 with a If you like our podcast, guys, make sure you go like and subscribe on the Apple Podcast app. And if you really like us, you should definitely leave us a review. Everyone has the original sound turned on (coughs) because. Hello, yes. Oh, wait, no, I don't. (laughs) See? See? All right, now we're good. (laughs) I always got to make sure Alexander's not fucking things up for everybody. Oh, my God, yeah. Virgo Venus, Virgo Mars, and she can't be dependent. (laughs) Alexander, where are you? You're I'm in. I'm shrouded in darkness. This is where I am. Oh, the social type You've, is uh, the one who's not showing video. I see how it is. Alexander okay, okay, I'll go. She's, a, a she's a nine. She answered ghost mode. <laughs> you're in. You're in ghost mode. Every nine has like mode. a toggle switch to make themselves <laughs> That's invisible. Correct. You can have video and still be not visible. Like this is goes goes against the rules of our current terms of engagement here. Man, you are bossy we, today. I'm not bossy. I'm I'm just being myself. The boss. Maybe you should, You're a little maybe sassy you should just today. maybe you should just sassy. learn to accept me as I am. <laughs> maybe you should just learn to accept me for who I am. I accept you, Emika. I just okay, will make fun cool. of you. <laughs> cool. I cool. Just maybe will you should have a snack. What <laughs> time of the month is it, Emika? It's rager time of the month, which is every single day of the month. Thank you very much. If you're wondering how I feel about everybody, I hate everyone and everything. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Off to a great start. Except we want to see everybody, including Alexandra. Including Alexandra. All right. Who still hasn't done a OPS video, I'm sure. Because that's just the uh, type of person correct. she is. You have an eight-day right. countdown. That's just the type of person she is. Oh, okay. <laughs> eight days. She's not going to get it done. Let's, let's not get our hopes up here. You know what, guys? <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to leave now? <laughs> you know what? I was feeling really It wouldn't nice be very hard for her to leave. <laughs> she doesn't I have, mean, she doesn't it's have not like we're all like... Know if she left. It's not like we're all sitting here just waiting to do a, an OPS episode where we talk about our typings and we're just waiting for alexandra it's not like you know it's not like so that. it's not like uh there she is things aren't waiting for the slow nine who thinks that she's <laughs> different from other nines that's Special. true i am i'm the dark i'm the anti-nine yeah. <laughs> did you guys see that post <laughs> <laughs> yeah anti-nine has entered the chat <laughs> <laughs> all right well welcome josh uh, what's up Welcome to Big Hormone, the, the very uh, peaceful, <laughs> easy to get along Yeah, that's right. Everyone on this call is feeling super peaceful right now. 
<laughs> yeah, I met these people and I have never known a day of peace since. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you're the peacemaker, so stopped. it's all good. Yeah, I know, just, I know. I've got to do my job. <laughs> yeah, do your We all just job. meditated together for like an about an hour, so mm. we're, we're, mm-hmm. we're coming out of a meditative coma. That's oh, right. for real? No. <laughs> no, not. No. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> no, you can't tell if I'm serious. <laughs> How are you doing this morning, Josh? Um, I'm doing great. It's um it's also one fifteen in the afternoon. What time is it? What what time did you wake up today, Alexandra? Uh <laughs> <laughs> we got up like thirty minutes ago, maybe. Oh nice. <laughs> it was more like more like fifteen minutes ago. <laughs> yeah, nice. We did we did mushrooms last night. Oh, nice. Oh. Cool. Wait, that's cool. Let's talk about that. We're coming. So your brain is sauce. scrubbed and ready to go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> ready to have my mind blown. Josh gave us a big presentation yesterday, so I'm ready for part two. Might have to be a repeat of part one, because we need to hear the whole Yeah, we need to get the whole presentation. presentation. Yeah, we got, yeah, we got the download. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was good. It was good because it was the first I've actually articulated a lot of the things I've been thinking about in totality. Um, and it, in a way, it was like, it felt like a, it was a stress test, in a sense, on the mm-hmm. ideas. And it was good because it revealed a bunch of things that I haven't fully thought through. Yeah, you I got a lot from that it. conversation we had too. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, same yeah, same stuff, David. Right. Yeah. Okay, same stuff. And that was pretty. Yeah. It was like big vision stuff. Yeah, it's pretty exciting. Yeah. Bermuda download. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Welcome to Big Hormone Enneagram. Joining us on the verge of nuclear Armageddon. Uh, you're listening to a silly little trivial podcast. Uh, <laughs> as the world is on the brink of absolute planetary tensions. To uh, Annihilate every annihilate life on Earth. So welcome. Uh, today we are with Josh Levine, and before we introduce Josh, we're going to be uh, doing our usual plugs. So please buy my book, or and or rate and review my book on the internet somewhere. Um, I'm also doing a study group for my book. We've been doing like I mean we're going to be today is going to be our 16th call, and it's just really good. Like oh, there's nice. a good group uh, of people who are regularly showing up and. You know, there's there's practice, meditation, discussion, Q and A. There's uh, people sh- that do those breakout rooms with each other, so that's really good. Yeah, and then uh, what else we got? We got DAA. We did some recent classes on uh, Type Three Wings, um, and then we did what else did we do? Oh, we got a Halloween special coming up on Anton Levey. That was an interesting nice typing. Mm-hmm. And then we've got uh, reaction, reactive types, a special on reactive types. So we've been doing nice. recent classes, just like covering a lot of topical things. People really like them. Um, DAA is where we're learning to become more fluent with the language and the instruments of the Enneagram. And, uh, you know, these concepts that we learn here, having to get more experience, seeing them play out in real people in real time. And, you know, there are a lot of people that are learning from these videos who are still confused about their typing. I mean, there's a lot of information that we've shared on here with object relations and people have listened to the object relations call and still mistype themselves because typing itself is it's really hard to see yourself. So David, Joseph, and I are the Enneagram or typing team. Um, get a typing from us to make sure that you land on the correct type. So you can get all this information at Enneagrammer.com. And then Alexandra is the Enneagram Astrology Masteress. She's uh, <laughs> doing readings. And then... Uh, do you want to say anything about that, baby? Or um, not too much. Come, come, get them. 
I've got some <laughs> other offerings in the works, but this is my um, this is my current one. We're looking at your natal chart as it crosses over with your Enneagram type, and I think it's good mirroring from both systems. And it's been yeah, it's been doing a lot for people. What's on the horizon that you see further as a rollout on the astrology front, Alexandra? As far what, as coming up? you were, What's, yeah. Coming up forecast? We have an eclipse season coming up. No, have, I meant, uh, you, you mentioned something you were going to be oh, oh, oh. services or something. Sorry, I don't know how yes. to speak. So. Oh, no. <laughs> um, well, actually, I have a website coming out. Um, I have a website coming out that's going to um, have all of these offerings on them. And then I've been slowly in the works of talking about doing my own podcast. It will be very different. Oh, cool! In tone from this one, a little more Sorry. chatty, more social. Just not as good as this one. We know that already. So just you know, social nonsense <laughs> stuff. Uh, and uh, yeah, there's a lot of good ideas, and it's very exciting. And cool. Um, and lastly, uh, there was a podcast called "What It's Like to Be You," mm-hmm. and uh, David Emika and myself were interviewed for it. I think and Joseph went up with. And Joseph, there's coming up with Alexandra, and we have the host here, uh, Josh. Oh wait, well, I think we forgot David's Travis booklet, oh, yeah. did we? Okay. Well, David, David. your Nine. your video is frozen, I think, right? Yeah, no, it it's not. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's you're just, imagining it. Just, <laughs> well, it's completely frozen. You, you should stop and start restart the video. I thought uh, he was just being really social blind. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> me too. Buddy. He was he's just being very still, side. just oh, not looking you, at. You the should screen. stop it and start it again. Yeah. <laughs> Nancy, I'm coming after you soon for a three interview, if you're interested. Perfect. Yeah, I'll be down. I would love to talk about the best type. Okay, now it's fine. Is it? Yeah. <laughs> Alexandra's gone, though. <laughs> we'll get nines to nines cannot be counted on. <laughs> yeah. That's what I'm learning. The, the true divas. Never to nines. return. Yeah, I mean, I think that's true. <laughs> In a secret, you know, mysterious way. Mm-hmm. I'll be back. Ha ha. You all could never understand. <laughs> yes, Emika, I'll get the video done on time. No, you won't. <laughs> you won't. I've just Ooh, lost well, faith I'm not in the mood to do anything right now. <laughs> just had to get him off my back, you know? I'm completely off your back. I don't expect anything. <laughs> that's, that's how far off your back I am. All right. Rejection mode has... <laughs> Clocked in. The wall. <laughs> the wall has activated. All right. Well, now you get to be pleasantly surprised. See? No. I'm it worked out. Any, I'm not expecting <laughs> no. anything. It's just not happening. It's just well, not happening. David has Better a Trifix book out. It yes. is an excellent guide to <laughs> Trifix, as well as the aesthetic of not only the Trifixes, but the types. It's a different way of learning that I think is really immersive and gives you a felt sense. So you're not just basing uh, your the archetypes of the types off of mental descriptions you get more of like an embodied uh emotional physical sense of how they move and how they relate and what the stems are like so i think it's really worthwhile and i did the intro so thanks once again for the intro john absolutely anytime i love doing it it's a very feminine thinking style way of absorbing material is that right yeah yeah. yeah, I mean, and, and yeah, like just it's a it, it's not just throwing concepts at something and trying to fit them together like Legos or something. It's like uh like like going into a pool, a uh, waiting pool of each type and just getting mm-hmm. immersed in the scent of them. So I think it's really worthwhile and uh yeah, I think it's great too. It's using language in a really impressionistic way, 
Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. So now with Josh. Uh, Josh, this is your second time on the pod. Is Did it? You... Oh, yeah, the, the, the live pod. pod. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, oh, that's yeah. right. Live pod, yeah. <laughs> there were multiple guests. This is the first time that he's been the he's guest of honor. Guest. guest of honor. Yes. Uh, so, Josh, uh, please introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about like all your Enneagram shit. Oh, God. You're going to ask a Bermuda 3 to introduce himself. Um, yes. You can do it. You can do it. Josh, Josh he, what's it like other to ones. be asked? He to, expected to us to, to be introduced. <laughs> he expected us to introduce him the way that he introduced us on his podcast. It's like, no. Nah, that way you can mold into what we want. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's right. What to say about Josh me. is um, a, yeah. uh, a very good. Uh, good coach and original Enneagram thinker and uh, he has a podcast called What It's Like to Be You which is like absolutely um, amazing uh, interview skills where he goes into accurately typed people and gets you a very three-dimensional uh, also very emotional uh, personal way of understanding the types. Yep. Um, Josh is an excellent interviewer and great teacher. I'm trying to think and I mean what else you got going on like you got a bunch of other shit um and where yeah can people find you kind of stuff as well you can i have a website it's just my name uh joshlevine.com um i mean in my professional life because i'm a three i mostly do coaching i coach like founders and investors in the startup world um the enneagram is like uh as you would expect a major foundation of that for me but in that context it sometimes hangs out more backstage um and yeah i'm obsessed with the enneagram i've got this podcast which i'm really enjoying doing um, I've also re been releasing um, YouTube videos that are so the podcast is both in podcast and YouTube form. You can check it out on YouTube. My YouTube channel is also, I think, just my name. And there are other YouTube videos on there about Enneagram general stuff. Like I released videos recently on the three centers, uh, mm -hmm. one on each center. Um, there's more coming out in that in that regard as well. Josh and I are also working on Enneagram school together. Oh yeah, that's a big one. Yeah, yeah that's a big one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so part of why uh, Josh is coming on here is um, we've been having a lot of really good discussions on the development of the centers. And also, um, you know, if, if people who've listened to this podcast before know that we all like to whine and complain about how people don't other other people don't understand the Enneagram. <laughs> and, <laughs> Not us. <laughs> yeah, we understand it perfectly. Um but one of the you know one of the big issues of properly understanding Enneagram as well as teaching it as well as uh, an issue with people putting out content on social media about the Enneagram is that there is are issues with uh, language and issues with the way that we hold concepts at different developmental levels the way that our um, sense of what the Enneagram is evolves and the sense of how it applies evolves and so. Uh, yeah, we just wanted to have, you know, just kind of like a free-ish discussion about uh, some of these ideas of just introducing um, how not only in learning the Enneagram is it about learning the material of the Enneagram, you also have to learn how to apply a certain introspective eye to oneself. And you have to hold that introspective eye in a certain context, in a certain milieu. And so uh, my go-to... Um, go-to example is you know when we people confuse nine and four you know people will just sort of stereotype four is the sensitive type ignoring how nine is the is the so, super sensitive type 
Mm-hmm. And then, you, you know, you, you, you get this word sensitivity, and it means a lot of different things to a lot of different people, and people have their own frame of reference for it. And so part of uh, really getting into the Enneagram is learning how to uh, acknowledge kind of the, the common use of a word and how that word normally applies or functions, and then being able to bring someone into a place where actually this is what we, how we are defining this term how we're using this term and this is the context for it and so um yeah so, so it's it's not just here's the enneagram listen to a bunch of podcasts read a bunch of books there's also a way that you have to work to develop your own capacities to hold the enneagram so josh i don't know if you had a more succinct clear way of saying what i'm saying but i wanted to see if you had a thought on that yeah well i love the way you set that up, and there's a few things I'd pull out of it. So the first thing is that the idea of, in order to understand the Enneagram, you need to have developed a kind of introspective eye through which you can see yourself using the Enneagram. But the problem is, is that that introspective eye is itself a developmental achievement that we expect the Enneagram to help with. And so when a person comes into the Enneagram, having not experienced, developed that introspective eye, then we, having with that introspective eye, get frustrated with people who don't have it. Mm. Um, and um, my point is, is that there's a, there's a developmental process that people can go through, um, which the Enneagram is meant to invite them into. And part of what you realize, I think, as, as an aspect of that develop, developmental process is that words have shifting meanings and language is slippery. and you know, it's characteristic of a certain stage of development to believe that wor- the world and language itself is objective and representational in the sense that, like, that's a dog. I can call that a dog. And we're all going to agree on what a dog is. But when you get into words that describe invisible things like the inner world, you know, to use your example, the word sensitive, that has a thousand different interpretations. And words are our only tools of interpretation, and they're also themselves subject to interpretation. And so, the way that you interpret the word sensitive is based on an infinite array of contexts that you have all your life that you've come to understand and all the uses of that word that you've used. You know, like, uh, it's funny when I hear people who've never done inner work say things like, is that person just insecure? And like words like the word insecure um, become these catch-all terms for an entire, mm, you know, mm-hmm. what, would be, what would become in a, whole, a whole universe of texture, of mm-hmm. inner world texture. Mm. You know, there's many, many ways to be insecure, many ways that insecurity develops, um, or many ways that insecurity manifests. But when a person uses the word without understanding the possibilities of all that texture, um, then it is, um, well, there's a lot of things to say about that. But basically what I'm saying is the use of the word insecure in that moment by that person is itself an act of interpretation of the word insecure Mm. from their developmental stage. Mm. So period. And so, I, so recently, I've been getting really, really, really interested in, and I think maybe this is me as a three, but my fascination is with the process of human development itself. Mm-hmm. And the Enneagram originally really appealed to me for a million reasons, other than it sort of cracked me open um, and had me meet myself in a different way. But the fact, in terms of its, the framework itself, it has the framework of the levels of development. And so there's something that really appealed to me about understanding that there is a vertical spectrum within each type. And what I've come to understand is that um, 
I think that the the vast majority of the Enneagram world believes that the levels of development is actually a developmental model um, <laughs> that it really isn't. Um, yeah. And what I mean is, I think that a developmental model really ought to be a thing that starts at a point of origin and ascends through stages uh, in a sequence. And the levels of development, as Don Riso put them, are really, in my view, a model of, of spiritual awakening, which mm -hmm. is kind of like a thermometer check of like, yeah. where are you at right now? Yeah. Uh, it doesn't start at a point of origin. You don't, you don't start at level nine and grow to level one. Right. And it's not also about um, the way that one grows up from one stage of maturity to another. Right, right. You know, um, it's about how one shifts identification from personality to essence. Right. Um, which is itself, you could, you, could, you could use the word development. Again, we're talking about words and shifting meanings. You, could, you, you can use the word development there, but I'm trying to clarify the use of the word development to mean this other thing. You're kind of talking about a certain level of maturation. Yes, I am, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's like, uh, yeah, like how do you develop more capacities, which the levels of development, the Don, Don Reese's level of development is more about, yeah, as you said, identification and your sense of being. And there's, there's some, you know, arguably like in the weeds of it, you could probably say like there's different developmental things happening there, but it's a different, it's, you can, you can be, what we're talking about, you can be kind of high in a developmental model sense, but pretty low in the levels of development sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes. And yeah, vice yeah. versa. Yeah. So um, one person I've been reading a lot recently is Ken Wilber. And people listening to the podcast know who that is. Ken Wilber is like, um, he's a fucking genius. This guy, this motherfucker. Oh, my God. This guy, um, he basically said, if you don't know who he is, he basically said, I'm going to be the guy that reads every major philosopher, sociologist, anthropologist, um, psychologist, physicist, um, etc. And combines all of their insights into a coherent theory of everything, which he basically successfully did. It's remarkable. Wow. Um, that's, that's an understatement. And one of the facets of his theory is that um, individuals and societies go through developmental stages. And um, there are a lot of different developmental frameworks that he uses and kind of marshals and combines into his own kind of version of that. And of the many facets of Ken Wilber's huge theory there is a distinction between what he calls waking up and growing up growing up is is moving through a sequence of developmental stages mm. um each of which is marked by a well a lot of different things but it's like um true transformations of self expansions of selfhood in which um what you are able to consider as sources of truth and the way that you make meaning and your capacities for self-regulation and your understanding and seeing the depth of things um, grows and grows um, sequentially. Waking up is a different thing. Waking up is basically what Don Riso was going after. And so my view is that the Enneagram world basically has a waking up framework, but has been thinking of it as a growing up framework, and that's not true. Mm. And that the Enneagram needs a growing up framework um, to uh, flesh itself out. And so can you give an example of, like, I use the word sensitive, but I don't know if that was like a great example. Can you give an example of uh, what it means to hold the Enneagram or a type or some facet of the Enneagram at one growing up level versus another and what like what specifically is growing up? Yeah. So here's just some other language for it. And growing up is it's it's a really hard thing to explain. But in the growing up developmental academic world, there's a distinction between horizontal and vertical development. 
horizontal development is like expanding your skill sets. Um, you might call it information in the sense of I'm taking the container that I am and filling it with more information or more skill. And then there's vertical development, which is expanding the container itself, um, which is shifting into whole new ways of meaning making. So let me give you an example. Um, here's a developmental shift that many people have made in their lives. So um, a lot of people grow up in, in very religious communities where the center of gravity stage of development is a kind of um, willingness to submit my own intelligence to an authoritarian kind of um, way of thinking. Like the priest said this, the Bible said this, and therefore that's what I believe. Because, and it's a kind of conformist, conventional, um, you might say tribal way of being and thinking and meaning making. Mm -hmm. And I'm using the word meaning making in a very particular way. Like what I allow to inform the way that I make meaning of the world like there's a very big filter. Like for example, you give this person the Enneagram and there's no place for them to put it because the Bible doesn't have it. The mm. priest didn't recommend it to them. Yeah. If their priest recommends it to them, then maybe there's a place for them to, to experience it. But, it will, but it's going to conform to their way of thinking about their religion. Then this is the developmental shift that a lot of people have made is that you know, they go to college or something and they start studying science or they start studying other things that have a more objective, measurable way of making meaning where um, a statement can be tested and evidentiated or, and proved to be true or false based on more objective metrics. And that's a major shift in the way that I make meaning. On the one hand, you know, the previous stage of meaning making was, you know, I'll take truth as, as given to me by an authority. Second stage <clears throat> is truth is accessible by everyone based on what you might call objective metrics. And um, truth is this thing that exists in, at a level of abstraction that's not, um, well, it's divorced now from authority, mm. you know, and you and, I, you and I can go and seek truth together based on um, a, a similar framework, uh, or how do I say this, a belief system that, um, like, if I'm Jewish and you're Christian, we can both come to scientific truth together. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So that level, that kind of scientific rationalist objective level is, you might say, like a, a certain center of gravity in our world. Yeah. Uh, certainly in America, it's a big center yeah. of gravity. So in, in that level, the, the, the rationalist objective level, you give the person the Enneagram, they're going to conceive of it as, well, first of all, is it scientifically validated? <laughs> right. Um, which is a huge question that I get all the time. This is an anti-science podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, and the Enneagram um, is going to be determined in that person's mind as true or false based on its degree of scientific validity. And what the Enneagram is revealing about who you are exists at the level of um, objective metrics or traits. So the you're a three and therefore these are your traits. And there's a way, because you know, there's, a, there's high cognitive capacity at this level of rational objective you can conceive of what it means to be at certain levels of development or like a healthy or unhealthy version of your type, you know. Um, but you're not actually accessing a interiority itself. Mm, mm. You know, the Enneagram isn't really, there's no place for that if you're, if you're in a rational, objective play, mindset, you know what I mean? And then and actually, and here to really flesh this out, like a lot of American corporations and businesses um, conceive of the world from this rational, objective place. And that's where you get a mechanistic model of a company where like people are interchangeable parts people are objects you know they don't have interiority or at least their interiority isn't considered yeah it's not yeah. on the table yeah 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 so um 
I'll just invoke one other framework here, and that's spiral dynamics. And so what I just distinguished is like the blue traditionalist authoritarian kind of, um, I, I described it in a religious way, but it's not necessarily religious. And then the next level um, in spiral dynamics is orange. That's the rational objective one. They give them these arbitrary colors. They give these colors. Yeah, they give these levels. colors for levels. Yeah, yeah. It's actually kind of, it's really useful as a, as a way of talking about it uh, shorthand. The colors sometimes so next level those symbolically too. In some sense, yeah. like green, et cetera. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I guess I'll do one more because um, I think it'll be illustrative. So yeah. from, from orange to the green would be the next level in spiral dynamics. And what happens with orange is at a certain point, you realize that there's a limit to the rational objective way of ma making meaning and that there's this massive blind spot to the interior world. And so um, people shift into green and all of a sudden start questioning themselves and start cultivating interiority and realizing that I'm not just a set of objective whatever, I have this whole inner life. And not only I do, but so do you. And so subjectivity becomes important, not just objectivity. Mm. And um, you know, the, the need for the Enneagram to be scientifically validated starts to dissipate, not, not necessarily mm. fully, but... Um, but because it's an interpretive framework that allows us to see ourselves and there's resonance with a subjective truth, like I can say this feels true about me, what the Enneagram is saying. It's experiential. That is, that's ex yeah, experiential. That's, that's truth enough for me at this level, mm -hmm. but not before this level, you see. Um, and so, yeah, and a lot of things come from this new, a lot of things come at this new level, like a whole new value system of, well, in orange, rational objective, things are, things are metrics and things can be optimized. And so there's a kind of way of, um, you know, uh, an obsession with optimization. Mm -hmm. In green, there becomes a much more like lovey-dovey, um, empathic, compassionate, like, well, your inner world has all this texture and beauty, and so does mine. And we can meet each other on a kind of soul level here at green. Hmm. Um, and it has, and green has its own blind spot, which we can get into later if you want. But um, anyway, yeah. so that's, we'll call that those three stages. That's a good starting point. So what, what would you, if you could distill, what is actually growing? You know, like what is growing that changes this stage? Wow. Yeah, that's the, <laughs> that's the question, isn't it? Um, you could actually use the word ego itself, like, um, Ego being defined as that which in me orients me to a sense of meaning in the world. What, that which makes meaning in me. Mm. Um, and, and so, and you can think of that as like a fundamental human impulse. Like at every, at every age, we're trying to make sense of things in some kind of way, you know. And it's an expanding sense of what, uh, of our capacity for meaning making, our, what we are allowing into our um, frame um, that informs the what meaning we make. Mm -hmm. So it's like the value creating part of us that is based on our our view of what's significant and what is important and what is um, what is. Uh, let's see, yeah, it's hard to describe it. Like, like what are the things that need to be considered? For meaning to happen so like in the case of the the orange to gr the business rational scientific uh results focused orange level to the collectivist 
your interiority is as valid as my interiority. Yeah, yeah. Like what's what your in the orange level, it's like people's interior interiority doesn't really matter because it's it's not about outcome. It's all about outcome on orange. Mm-hmm. It seems like it's like it's yeah. like mo- moving pieces toward out toward specific outcomes. Sure. Yeah. Where it, and so then people's sense of like what they personally value. It's like okay, it's fine whatever you value, but that's not what's actually like important here. But then at the green level, it seems like you're saying, oh well, how how this impacts Josh's inner world is just as important as how this impacts John's inner world is this impacts David's inner world, you know? It's yes. like, uh, it's like, oh, suddenly people's inner world and feelings and all that kind of stuff has a, a new level of significance they didn't have before. Yeah, and, it's, and the significance is, is primary and supersedes that of the, what was significant before. And so, like, for example, a business coming with a green mentality will will attempt to make decisions by consensus because everyone's perspective is valid mm-hmm. whereas an orange point of view is like well we'll just optimize for whatever outcome we're trying to do and it doesn't really matter what everyone thinks because this is the way it's okay. kind of like the like the circle of mm, i don't know empathy expands a bit mm-hmm. kind of yes empathy, like. uh, empathy is yeah certainly a word that belongs in the green stage yeah, it's like empathy itself becomes one of the value-making um, capacities. Like, it's a capacity that's used to make meaning, whereas yeah. it probably wasn't and, before. Okay, and here's a good... Here's a, empathy is an amazing word to talk about, like, how a person holds the word empathy mm-hmm. if they're coming from different stages. You know, mm-hmm. empathy coming from a blue stage, like the traditional, I'm calling it... Again, it's not, a, it's not necessarily religious, but... It's like um, a fundamentalist of some Fundamentalist, sort. yeah, yeah, like... What it means to be empathic, like it's, you know, God commands it. And so you should be kind to your neighbor. Mm. But it's also, it's like, you know, if you, if you probe a person who's anchored at that stage, what empathy really means, then what you'll, you'll run into a kind of wall. You'll run into a sense of like, mm. you know, if you're, if you're asking, this conversation we're having right now is happening at, um, at or above green, at the very, you know, probably above um, or later than green. But, and a person at blue listening to the stage, um, just won't have a place to put it. You know what I mean? And so the way that they hold that word empathy um, will lack texture. And again, um, it sounds like what I'm saying is that a person of blue isn't as developed. And actually, that is exactly what I'm saying. And, and I want to be explicit about it because um, the, one, of the, one of the uncomfortable things about talking about a developmental framework is that we're making value judgments. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, the Enneagram is really cool because um, no type is better than others. But when we're talking about developmental stages, capacities are more developed than others period mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know and that's a big deal mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. big big deal so yeah go ahead well so uh i wanted to first talk about some of the the ways that a lack of understanding this kind of developmental view not necessarily even just spiral dynamics but just like a developmental view like yeah hinders the enneagram and and yes muddies it mm-hmm. and then how using it uh, or holding it in some way expands our own personal work and the ways that we communicate and talk about it. Because, you know, and, and also what does it take to develop one's worldview, you know, from the, this point of view? And so, like, what I, like one thing I would, I'll say is that I think um, when people get into arguments and stuff like this about the Enneagram or, or don't understand things, like if you go to Instagram and you, follow a hashtag 
and you get all those infographics. Uh, a lot of that like infographic kind of like aesthetic and and whatever. It's like there's this, there's something green about all that stuff. And one of the things that we get into trouble with is that when um, we are saying no, there are definitely ways to recognize a type. There's definitely ways that, like it's not just everybody knows their own type, uh, and you can't question it. You can't you can't say oh I can observe your type outwardly even if you don't know your own type. Mm-hmm. A lot of that is coming from kind of a green mentality yes, because what we're is. saying is that yes. there's something outside of someone's um, subjective experience. We're saying that there's, you, there isn't a subjective experience and there's something uh, objective. There's a structure that is discernible. And so yeah. a lot of, like, you, like, you know, people, when, you're, when you're talking with people who are in blue, their thing is like, well, this is in my worldview or out of my worldview. And it's kind of, there's mm-hmm. permission to engage with this or there's not. And, sure, yes. And, this is, and if I, there's permission to engage with it, this is what Ian Cron said it was, you know? Yeah, right. And then the next level is, you know, it's like any gram in business where it's like optimizing, you know, strategy, you know, like be a better yeah. version of yourself. Be better. Oh, you're a three. This is how I can communicate with you to make our relationship better. Yeah, like the IV, yeah. I, I, uh, what is it, IQ something, IQ9, IQE yeah. something. It's like this, like readout <laughs> yeah. of like, here's yeah, a graph yeah. of a million different metrics that say this, yeah. and this is this, this, and it's like, oh, uh, you're four, you are dramatic, you are uh, introspective, you are, you know, and it's like, dum, 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 mm-hmm. dum. And it's very much like, these are your traits, this is how you define it, this is your box, this is how you get better. Yeah, yeah. And then, and then with the green level, it's like, my experience of being a four is, um, right. you know, like this. Like, we're supposed sort of, to value that. Yeah. <laughs> Your shitty experience. You, you need to value my experience, <laughs> my terrible experience. <laughs> you know, and I mean, it is an important shift in the sense of it's not totally. just this like um, mechanistic experience. <laughs> moving <laughs> towards something with it's, the, you know, something about that, or- that orange view is there's something kind of universal. Like if we just apply the method or the formula, yes. there's an outcome that will be achieved. That's correct. And yeah. then the, like, the limitations of that are like, oh, well, people's subjectivity is very complex and different. And mm-hmm. Enneagram is one measure of, of that. And so yeah. then it's like, well, what is going on in your experience? Which is really mm-hmm. important, but people get really stuck there too. Mm-hmm. Yes, mm-hmm. they do. Okay, there's uh, so many things to respond to in what you just said. Um, this, first of all, you know, to your original question, what's expanding? Like, what you notice from blue to orange to green is that there is... Um, there's kind of like a crisis potentially in, 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 um, in the revelation of the blind spot of that way of making meaning, you know, mm-hmm. like right. at blue, it's like, well, wait a minute. Like, is there truth that exists beyond what the Bible says is mm-hmm. like, you know, imagine a person who's lived their entire lives thinking that just what is true is in the Bible. And then all of a sudden, like the expansion to this new way of it's like it's a total it's an yeah. absolute destruction of everything that you've ever yeah. believed yeah. and so it's it's very stressful to go mm-hmm. through a developmental uh, shift and this is actually i'm going to do a quick cul-de-sac here like um therapists and coaches who don't understand development will pathologize um developmentally appropriate stress mm-hmm. um wow. that's yeah. interesting yeah um that's a whole that's, other that's yeah, a whole that's other so thing true. can you yeah. just give like a quick example yeah. Oh, you're so stressed. Oh, gosh. Tell me what your, you know, uh, what's your relationship with your dad like? Instead of like, oh, you're stressed because you're actually expanding. Like you've grown too big for your shell now, yeah. mm-hmm. and you have to go out and find another fucking meaning making house to live in. 
Ooh, that's hitting you know. some. I don't. Yeah. I, too much Me too. <laughs> but it's hitting. Um. Yeah. A lot of a lot of shit. Of the way I see people using Enneagram and other other things like that. It's mm-hmm. like, yeah, interesting. Yeah. Um. Okay. Something else I was gonna respond to. Gosh, I, I wish I could listen back to what you said because there's like four things. But I, um, John, John will ask a question. I wanted to three jump parts. in with some stuff, but I don't want to derail where you if you're going somewhere. Let me let me let me go here with yeah. it. So, um, I think that the Enneagram world at large is anchored in a green worldview, and so I think it'd be very interesting to explore the shadow of the green and mm, and yeah. and why it's a big deal to have a developmental model that understands the shadow of green so that you can grow beyond it. Yeah. Um, it's juicy. Yeah. And so the green worldview, as I said, it's the first, it's really the first, it's really the first stage at which subjectivity and interiority is valued at all. And, um, and that, and I, you know, this is something that's so important to say is that every stage really does have its own strengths and is mm-hmm. a profound achievement um, mm-hmm. over, you know, the previous stages. And so it's like a pitfall, and I fell into this, certainly, um, learning a framework like this, it's like, oh, well, at the same time that we're making value judgments that later stages are better, um, you know, when you're meeting someone who is at a certain stage, like if I meet someone who's at orange, it's like the first thing is to um, really validate the experience of, of the journey they've come on. You know, they went through all these other stages. And so now we're talking about green. It's like to have arrived at green, like the vast majority of the Enneagram world, that's a major developmental achievement. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, like, congratulations! You're like you've transcended um, just the 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 dry, meaningless way of objective meaning making, and mm-hmm. and you know things like your heart or other people's heart, empathy, compassion. Like these are becoming more important to you. That's a really that's great. That's a great thing. Yeah. And so a lot of Enneagram teachers and workshops are characterized by a very green quality of empathy, where it's like um, we cr- we set up safe spaces. And mm-hmm. we, we, we drop the Enneagram into your consciousness and we sort of are witness to your process in a non-interfering way because we trust that you're whole and, there's, uh, and you've got an inner teacher. And um, <clears throat> your subjective ex- experience has its own um, validity, validity just like mine does. And um, if I just sh- love you and am compassionate towards you, then um, you will grow. Yep. And there is a. This is what Emika specializes in. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. If I bash you over the head, you might grow. Emika just um, needs love. Grow a That's lump on so your grumpy. head. <laughs> and to be actually, um, you know, to give to give some respect to this for a second, um, this is a a, sh- a shift from, like, if you if you look at the the history of therapy. Um, you know, therapy and fr- like Freud and the talking cure came out of a medical model where it's like, I am the therapist and I can diagnose you uh-huh. objectively with this is your pathology. That's orange. You see, mm-hmm. um, it wasn't until um, Carl Rogers, uh, who, who, who sort of coins the humanistic movement of psychology in which he trained his students to basically, basically, it's like the most healing thing you can do for your client is treat them with what he called unconditional positive regard, which is basically just to love them. Mm-hmm. Nine. 
Yes, he's a nine. He's a nine. <laughs> or seven. Yeah. <laughs> nine, seven. But it's like, yeah. and, but that's a, can you see how as a, ther- like, in just as a movement of therapy, that's just profoundly evolved wow, yeah. from, mm-hmm. from, the, from the previous behaviorist um, diagnostic pathologizing framework. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And how much, how much more a person could really heal in a person's presence, in, in a therapist's presence who's embodying this green humanistic way. Wow, so yeah. it's a really, it's a beautiful thing. Um, and I would, and I credit my own uh, journey, uh, entrance to the Enneagram and the fact that I was cracked open as profoundly as I was as a three to the psychological safety afforded by the green environment that I was in. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So it's really huge and important. Yeah. And so also it has, a, it has a blind spot. And was that where you were going, David? Uh, well, several things. But so what's the next stage after green and let's talk about all the bad things about green for one thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah also another yeah. thing to i'll put it in now while i can remember it is to me part of what's fascinating about these levels <clears throat> is that there's a kind we talked about it on our call the two of us uh there's mm-hmm. an oscillation mm-hmm. back and forth with each stage it's almost like it's a masculine feminine shift sure. with oh, each yeah. and can, and and part of where uh difficulties in communication happen is because for example i'm just going to number these cuz i don't know the colors like um stage 1 looks like stage 3 because it's it's stage 1 is you know let's say going to the right stage 2 is going to the left stage 3 is going to the right so and so on and so on as you go up. And so one, three, five uh, mm-hmm. look the same as two, four, yeah. six. Mm. There's, there's a beautiful illustration in the Spiral Dynamics book um, about like, think of, the, think of like a group of people who are picketing outside of an office, about like uh, outside of an American corporation. Mm-hmm. You could have people from a bunch of different stages in that same picket group. Mm. You know, yeah. like on the one hand, like a priest you know, a, a, a minister of a communal church said, hey, this is a really important cause. And so like, you've got some, some section of people that are holding signs uh, because they got told to do so. Um, then you've got um, a green, um, so that's blue, you know, and then you've got a, gr- a set of green people who are doing a kind of uh, green act, uh, um, activism against a dry objectivist, uh, objectifying, yeah, uh, orange uh, corporate philosophy. And so you've got those two people in the same group. Then you've got people at later stages who are just saying, you know, based on nothing other than my own values, mm-hmm. um, right. I've decided that I want um, to be here at, to this, at this protest. <clears throat> I... Uh... When I first moved to New York, uh, it was the it was when Occupy mm-hmm. Wall Street was happening, uh-huh. and I would go down uh, go down there a lot, and it was green fucking city uh-huh. because yeah. they couldn't keep anything together because it was so much like oh, you got an enorm- yeah. enormous fucking group of people, mm-hmm. and it's like very clear you're, you're like against Wall Street for the many like the the dark toxic uh, like vampire on the world that it is right, but they had to like have consensus of yeah. everything amongst hundreds of people and like mm-hmm. we need i mean you have these like long meetings that would go nowhere uh, it was people just <laughs> shouting and whatever and i mean i was there just to like watch the the nonsense and you know you've got uh wall street itself is like orange and then like there's a bunch of fucking cops which are like orange and blue and and then there's this green like hippie kind of vibe where people are like not able to 
make clear and concise demands and goals because it's so needing to pull everybody and then like one person who's like you know one person is like well this doesn't match with me and it you know oh now the whole field's uh trying to honor everybody's subjectivity (laughs) function i mean it was miserable so that's a really good illustration of the shadow of green there you go you know um it's like the the need to decide the need to honor everyone's subjectivity um you run into major problems with decision making and the failure to exercise authority and green has a kind of allergy to authority um yeah so i mean that that, like that's like a, a big thing we run into right is like sometimes our material does not honor everybody's subjective experience mm-hmm. most of the time yes most of the time this is, this is yes and then yeah. the problem with the authority thing comes in because we're saying we have some authority here and yes right. that's right yeah and there so it's not just it's not yes. it's not like the, the not like the blue stage where we're just like telling you what's up it's like we're like let's let's give you all the tools to make these discernments yourself right like object yep. relations yeah. all the mm-hmm. accurate information uh inner work methods of looking at oneself yeah but it's like but that doesn't re- you know like but i feel like i'm a four or whatever it is yeah or i don't feel like i'm that type or whatever it's like yeah but like here's the tools to look at it there's some there's an objective structure your inner experience of it is important too yeah but yes. yeah, th- yeah they'll perceive us as being just authoritarian and that's right that's right. invalidating yeah so um a really good way to summarize, I think, the green major, the blind spot of green, is that green fails to recognize development itself. Mm. Meaning, mm-hmm. yeah, that's meaning, accurate, yeah, yeah, meaning that you know, in order to even have achieved green, you have to have gone through all these stages of development. Yeah. Um, well, it's and, it's, it's a no and, competition thing, or, yes, or n- um, nobody should be set along a, a vertical hierarchy or something. Yes, mm-hmm. it's it's egalitarianism, <laughs> and it's yeah. and it's. And it's because your subjective experience is valid, there's an equivalence to your subjective experience and this person's subjective experience without realizing that subjectivity exists on a developmental spectrum. Mm. That one's capacity for interiority um, is a developmental achievement and can grow. And so one's ability to see oneself um, can grow, meaning that person A can you know, have some subjective uh, experience of themselves that person B um, has not only a better subjective experience of themselves, but it can also see person A's subjective experience more clearly than person A. Yeah. Mm, damn. <laughs> <laughs>